fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. It is a Wednesday, the post-post-Monday, the pre-pre-Friday, and the post-election day. Although that's hard to say because we still have some elections ongoing across the nation. What a day it was yesterday. I am running on about three hours of sleep, which is most people that are in the media covering election time. But we love it. That's what we live for every day. So, hey, not going to complain. We are ready to rock and roll for another one. It is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Happy Wednesday to you. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard. We love you to death. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Obviously, there is more to talk about than what we have time for in a one-hour program, but we will do our darndest like we do every single day. First off, how was the election in your area? I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear how the election went or didn't go so well in your vicinity. It's frustrating. First off, we have to admit the red wave did not happen. We got maybe a red ripple but not the red wave that we were expecting or that we were wanting. Whether you want to call it fraudulent, I don't know. There are some sketchy issues going on, especially in the state of Arizona. I still think something weird happened in Pennsylvania because, oh, let's be honest. Can we be honest, please? Just you and I chit in the chat here. Who in their right mind would actually vote for someone like John Fetterman? Could we just, I mean, not to mention that the governor's race in Pennsylvania went hard Democrat and one of the House districts actually went so far Democrat that a deceased elected official that died over a month ago ended up winning with like 85% of the vote. They now have to go off to a special election in December as well. So we have that. We have a runoff election going on in Georgia. We have the uncertainty with only like 65% of the vote being counted in the state of Arizona because of technical issues down there. It is concerning. We have two close-to-call races in Arizona and in Las Vegas and in other places. So we'll read all those here in just a little bit. I Do we do this? I don't know that we do it. I have limited time, and I don't know if I want to waste it on here, but at the same time, it's I guess it's kind of important to see what he's saying. Uh, normally, historically, the president of the United States gets on and does kind of a post-midterm election recap and takes questions from the media. Biden doesn't usually take questions from the media because he doesn't know how to answer the questions nor actually say their names. However, he is doing it live right now, so let's see what he's saying for just a second, shall we? Let's go into the Biden basement. Thank you very, very much. We'll do another. No, okay. We'll, we'll do another hour a little later. Oh, we'll do another hour in a little bit. All right, there you go. So actually, we caught him right at the end of it. That's all right. I didn't want to hear from him anyways. To heck with you, Joe Biden. You didn't do it for very long, so there was the Biden basement for you. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's go into the Biden basement. There it is. We wrapped that up. Thank God he saved us from our ears bleeding. So you're welcome. We caught that right at the end of it. Let's get into what's trending today. What do you say? What's trending today? First and foremost, those who have been following these races, uh, there's still a toss-up right now in the state of Arizona. We're going to start there for our races as the governor's race 
Katie Hobbs, the Democrat, is still slightly over Carrie Lake with roughly 5,000 vote difference right now. 50.1% to 49.9. Oh, yeah. 67% reporting in, according to the Associated Press right now. That is a tight one. Now, this is the same state, mind you, that had Maricopa County early on yesterday that had, what was it, 60 or 80 different precincts that had ballots that were printed that were not printed dark enough with their printers because... For some reason, they were out of ink in all 80 precincts or 60 precincts or whatever the hell it was. And they also had 20% of their electronic voting machines go down early on yesterday while they say that there's nothing crazy or weird going on here. So, you know, you only had two years to prepare since the last election, but all of a sudden you have issues on election day like you had no clue. It was totally out of the blue. We had no clue it was coming up today. It came up on us and we didn't have any time to prep. In the Senate race for Arizona as well, we do have the Democrat Market Kelly up slightly, sitting at 51.2% in that race in Arizona. But again, nothing's been called because only 67% has been reported in. That is a concern. Those of you living in Arizona, and I know I have a lot of listeners in Arizona through the podcast listenership because you come up in my top five states of downloads every single month. So we love you guys down there. Keep an eye on these things and email me, who's your media network at gmail.com. And let me know what you're seeing down there and if there is a cause for concern. There's a greater issue that happened as well, and we'll get to some of these other ones, including like the state of Georgia. Let's go here for just a second. Obviously, the big race was the uh, Senate race, the the governor's race. Big win there for Governor Brian Kemp. Don't have to worry about her. Uh, Stacey Abrams hopefully is out of the picture now, and we can finally get back on track with Republicans at the statewide level there. So that's good news. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see the end of Stacey Abrams, the uh, the soon-to-be rock star of the Democrat Party that has failed miserably in her election twice in a row now from the same individual that couldn't get her you-know-what together to try and make it happen. I wonder if the Democrats will still hold her up to be the new rock star of the party. I'm sure that she's going to get, I don't know, some type of like commentary contract for MSNBC or CNN or she's going to get into the Biden administration somehow so she can just bypass the evil racist red state that is Georgia and that way she can run for president down the road if she is the secretary of you know basket weaving under the Biden administration I don't know if that's what they do then that shows their real sign of desperation Beto O'Rourke also lost devastatingly in the state of Texas for his and he's supposed to be the other rock star at the same front Nonetheless, the big race that is still lingering as we do not have a guide yet on what the leadership may look like in Washington, D.C. As we close the gap in winning the House of Representatives, we are still up in the air in the Senate. Good news in Ohio, since we did flip that one with Tim Ryan over to J.D. Vance, the Republican there. I think that largely had to do with Donald Trump showing up before election night, maybe pushing that one just over the edge a little bit. But Ohio, man, you guys rocked it. You guys had red, uh, red seats all across the board. Mike DeWine, uh, maybe a little bit of a moderate candidate down there for governor, but dominated with like a 23-point margin. So that's insane for a governor and all the down-ballot tickets that I saw in Ohio. Kudos to you guys. I applaud you in the state of Ohio. Well done on that one. Georgia, however, we're now going to see a runoff. And between what happened in Georgia and what happened right here in my state with the state of Kansas, I... And and I'm trying to keep my cool. Angry Andy doesn't need to come out today because, you know, we're just going to cover what needs to be covered here. But Angry Andy's going to peek out just a little bit. I am becoming too detesting 
third-party independent candidates more and more. I am det- I'm almost detesting third-party candidates as much as I do unions right now. I'm just just saying. I driving me nuts. If you want something substantially done in any way, shape, or form, stop voting third party. Andy, I'm voting my principles. Your principles mean nothing when you just elected someone that's further on the other side of you than what it is. So, the uh, for example, the race in the Senate has the Republican and the Democrat, Ralph, uh, Ralph uh, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Warnock is up 49.4% to 48.5%. There is a 40,000 vote difference between the two. 1.941 million to 1.906 million a 40,000 vote difference between the Republican and the Democrat which means now they go off to a runoff in this in the month of December the outlier that disrupted the entire thing was the none other than libertarian party candidate Chase Oliver that got 2% of the vote obviously such a close race he totally could have done it this time the third party's been they're really going to make it this time you just got to try got to fight that two party system which i get two party systems suck it's here. It's the reality. We have to acknowledge it, live with it, and we have to try and change things from within because right now we are our own destruction. The Libertarian Party that will overwhelmingly 80% of the time go with conservative values got 2% of the vote. Obviously, such a close race for them to try and steal it and 80,000 votes. Now, I can't guarantee but I would, being a betting man that I am, kind of, sort of, not really, I would bet somewhat amount of money that out of those 80,000 votes, probably 60% of them would go Republican if they had to because they realize Republicans, for the most part, 60 to 70% of the time, more go in line with libertarian values than what the Democrat Party does. So, I ask you, third-party voter, in the state of Georgia, Did voting libertarian make you feel good and proud that you went off the cliff holding your flag held high because you're a purist and you want everything or nothing at all? Does it make you feel good and make you feel better that you did that? Because if you are on the libertarian side and a Democrat ends up getting into office, does that more in line with what you do and what you want as opposed to what the Republican potentially could have? Again, I don't like the two-party system. I think it's a horrible system. We weren't supposed to have any parties. We weren't supposed to have a two-party system. The fact of the matter is is that we do, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. That is realism. That is the real world. So, voting libertarian makes you feel good on the inside, but it ruins everybody else's chances to do anything productive on the outside. Now we go off to the runoff, so the question is, libertarian voters in the state of Georgia, will they just not show up and turn out because to hell with the two-party system and those candidates because they're both equally evil, or will they go and which side will they go to i think herschel walker still pulls out the election in georgia i think we do still win it but it's going to be a more difficult time and you already had the republican base herschel walker here's my you know here's here's my opinion take it as you live because i know herschel walker is totally listening to this program right now you already have your republican base summed up you need to find a way to reach out and win over the majority of those libertarian voters to get them to go to your side that's what you have to do. You have to pander to them because they want the special treatment because that's what third-party voters want. I gotta, I'm got. i a little bit bitter right now just because the same thing happened here in the state of Kansas with our governor's race. We won Republican tickets down the ballot for every other statewide race. Our attorney general, our secretary of state, our congressional seat, our state treasurer, our insurance commissioner, all of them went hard red with a very easy margin overall. Our, Demo- our governor's race, we lost by 
in the state of Kansas to a Democrat with the uh, independent candidate who is a former Republican in our state legislature, a solid conservative guy, jumped in as an independent and got 2% of the vote when we lost by one and a half. Tell me how that makes sense. Again, and I ask you in Kansas, feel better? You feel good about yourself? I stuck it to the man, because Derek Schmidt, because he's a moderate and he's not a good candidate. Okay. I'm glad. So now we have a Republican legislature with a Democrat governor making it more difficult to get anything done as opposed to getting a Republican in, a soft Republican in, and then pushing them further to the right with a hard Republican legislature. Do you feel better about yourself? Come on, man. Let's use some common sense when he goes into the election. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm just trying to bring some logic into the elections. Uh, Luckily, though, we did see some big wins. Obviously, like we said, with the state of Ohio, we did relatively well. There is a concern, though. And the concern is what we try to focus on a little bit on this program, being one of them myself with a millennial, is the direction the millennial and the Gen Z vote went overall in this election, according to Breitbart. Uh, I only have a little bit of time before we have to take a break here. So I'll just read this headline real quickly, and then we'll kind of break it down when we come back. Voters between the age of 18 to 29 years old. I'm slightly above that. We'll just go with that for a second. Uh, Voters between the age of 18 to 29 years old cast their ballots majoritively and vastly in the favor of Democrats by the margin of 63% in the 2022 midterm elections compared to the 35% within that age group that voted Republican. Why is that a concern? The young generation that will be taking on the issues of the day, the one of the largest voting bases that will be coming up, and the older generation that's predominantly Republican that unfortunately is starting to age and die out, How do we maintain the survival of the Republican Party long term? We'll do some of that when we come back here. Stay right here on a Wednesday for The The Voice of Reason. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale, that's what it's all about here on the show. Welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out. We love you to death. Always a pleasure. I got a little angry towards you. I'm not angry, though. I'm actually excited. I know it wasn't as big of a red wave as what we think, but you know me. I'm the eternal optimist. I always see the bright side on things. I still think we're going to win the Senate. It's not as easy as what we wanted, but come on. Do we honestly want everything to be easy? (laughs) I, I can sense... Uh, some people wanting to smack me right now. Andy, come on. We just need to get this done. I know. Do we really want it to be easy, though? Make it a challenge. Make it a challenge. Now, it is concerning to me how many insane people are out there voting for the other side of the aisle with the insanity that's going on right now. I love the memes that were floating around before Election Day saying, before you go and vote, go buy some groceries, go fill up your gas tank, go look at your uh, 401k, go see how expensive things are, and then go and vote because you can and you can't. It's not politics. It's just common sense and facts. You can look at every economic disaster in this nation over the last year and a half, two years, and you can put it blamely solely onto the Biden administration and the Democrat Party. So if you like that, then that's cool. I guess you can continue to vote that way. That's, I mean, that's what you want to do. But if you don't like that, then there's a very simple solution, which is to change that rhetoric. Here's the problem, though. And I read this yesterday on Election Day, is that historically, since, what, 1938? Since all the way back to the 1930s, historically, the party that is in leadership, the presidency, normally and historically, the elections go the other direction in the midterms 
because people are angry. We can never, you know, just, you know, it's never consistent. So the party's there for a while. People get angry. The pendulum swings the other way. And then they get the momentum. Then they get stagnant. Then the other side gets it. And it's just the backwards pendulum back and forth. And normally we see the opposite party, the minority party, do really well in the midterms. And then we see the last two years of the presidential administration get stagnant. There was, since what they say, like 1938, we saw three times where the party that was in the majority gained a couple seats in the House of Representatives, and six times since the 1930s where they gained seats in the Senate. Other than that, every other race on average, the minority party won roughly 29 to 30 seats in the House of Representatives and four to five seats in the Senate, showing that there is frustration with the party in power. I think that we are at the stage in time between the generational makeups, between the vast partisanship, between the vast division in this nation right now, I do not think that we will see that any longer. And I think last night was a proof positive of that. We could still win these seats. We could still do relatively well. But I think that we are so divided in this nation now that you cannot win over people one side to the other. There are a few. I'm independent and I go both ways. That's cool. There are very few like that, and I don't quite understand that mentality because either you like lower taxes or you don't like lower taxes. <laughs> I mean, you either like to spend more money or you don't like to spend more money. There's not a medium in between there, and it's not like, well, you know, this program's cool, that program's cool. I mean, I guess people try to find it selective and can base it on an individual basis. I just like lower taxes across the board. I just like less government across the board, period, end of story. If the government's trying to expand it for something, it's probably bad, it's probably unnecessary, and we probably don't need to do it. Therefore, no, I'm going to vote against it or support someone who votes against it. I mean, that's just the way I am. I'm not a purist, just a rational, like, leave me the hell alone, let me live my life thing. But I think we are so divided now that we're not going to see that pendulum swing as much anymore. We're going to see the Republican base vote Republican, the Democrat base vote Democrat and independents or libertarians or constitutional party or green party or whatever else third party that they want to be vote against the two party system and do that. And very little change will be happening from here on out. Not to mention as the population size continues to grow, that means cities and populated cities continue to grow in size. And you know what that means when it comes to the decision making at a statewide level and the influence they have on state elections, making it more and more difficult for limited government, less intrusive type of mentality to prevail at a statewide level, meaning that we're going to make it more and more difficult as the years go on to vote for limited government Republican values. We'll cover some more of that when we come back here. Plus, we'll talk about some technology and how to keep the web the free. Stay here. Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason, with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome back into the program. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we're all about here on the show. Trying to expand the thought process, unveiling the layers of the onion, going deeper into the conversation that most talk shows do all over the place, all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations. We love you guys to death. Welcome aboard as we cover some of the election updates. Again, I am optimistic. I'm the eternal optimist. I still think we're going to do well. We will take the House of Representatives. We will maybe get a seat or two in the Senate. Yeah, but look, even worst case scenario, 
let's look. Let's say that we have a 50-50 split in the Senate again, or even, God forbid, Democrats take a seat, which I do not think is going to happen. But let's just say that it's a 50-50 or Democrats have the majority in the Senate, which I guess they technically do then, too, with the tie-breaking vote from Kamala Harris. We still have the House of Representatives then, which means any issue, any ballot issue that has to go to the president has to be signed by both chambers of Congress, and therefore it is our job to call our representatives and make sure that they vote for zero zero Democrat policies and legislation so that way it stays stagnant, it doesn't get through Congress, and therefore the Biden administration can't do anything. And we ride that out. It sucks. We're not getting advanced as the way we needed to. We're not moving forward the way we needed to. But you know what? It's better than them controlling both chambers, which is what they're doing right now, making things very difficult to stop anything and just sitting on the sidelines complaining about it. So... Let's make sure that we don't just complain about it. We can do something about it, and I think we will. Let's shift gears just for a minute here and how this may even be involved with the elections last night with some of the social media and how we battle some of this insanity on the interweb with our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? And the reason I say that this is tied into the election somehow, we read the headline that Generation Z, the young generation, and millennials, me being 34 years old, being part of the millennial generation, predominantly voted Democrat in the last uh, yesterday's election. Voters between 18 to 29 overwhelmingly supported Democrats across the board. 63%, according to Breitbart News, compared to 35% within that age range that voted Republican. Where do the young generation get a lot of their information? They get a lot of their information on the interweb, on social media. They are the Twitter experts where they can talk about it with a 130-character tweet, and they know everything about it, apparently. How do we make sure that the proper content is out there? How do we make sure that we don't get censored or that we can continue to have a free Internet to allow information to get out there? Really happy to have on the program. He is the author of the book Search and Destroy, Why You Can't Trust at Google. He's also the founder and executive director of Restore Us Institute, Restore Humanity Online. Excited to have on the program with us here at Mr. Scott Cleland. Scott, how are you, my friend? Doing fine. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the program. How far, again, I'm 34. I remember when going through elementary, we were just starting to get those massive box computers in the in the classroom, learning how to type on them. How far have we come from that time when we were learning how to use technology to now you, if you just search something, now you're in this algorithm and you're in this echo chamber and you're not allowed to branch out of that. How far have we come using the internet and social media today? Um, it's exponentially a change like when the internet really we came to know it in 1996 uh it, back then like there was only one senator that used it uh, about a few percent of americans used it, the internet and they used it for 30 minutes a month <laughs> so when it started you know it also was very slow yeah. so to think about how the internet's changed uh you know it was basically about 20% of our life that in the, over the first 10 years. And then when mobile and when social media happened, probably about 50% of our life, we spent so much time looking at our phones and um, getting involved in things. But now with the metaverse going forward, it's basically the artificialization of everything. You know, artificial intelligence, artificial life, art, artificial everything is what the metaverse is. So it's only getting more and more inversive, more and more intrusive. And, uh, you know, the Internet, you know, what we do at RestoreUsInstitute.org is we're the only entity that has a 
kind of a holistic focus on all the internet problems and how they can be fixed holistically. And there are a ton of them, as your listeners know. Well, talk about some of that. What does it mean to fix these things holistically? How do we get things back on? Because technology is not going to go anywhere. We obviously, like you said, I mean, technology has advanced so much that we're creating our own universe through technology by putting on, you know, a uh, an Oculus and going into a virtual reality world now so far away from those boxes where we use it 30 minutes a month in our time. How do we holistically get back on track here and accept uh, technology in our lives, but yet keep it limited? What people know out there, your listeners know how many problems there are, all the fraud, all the cyberbullying or harassment or, you know, all the, all the bad things that are out there. And, but people don't know there is a universal, a holistic root cause for all of the problems. And that is 25 years ago, um, there was internet, um, wild west internet policy. I call it internet unaccountability policy now. And that is the root cause of all of the problems, because what we've been doing, you know, for five administrations, 13 Congresses and 17 Supreme Court justices for 25 years, they have neglected to protect the American people and, and minors on from online harms and crimes. And so, I mean, it's that that's that's nuts. And uh, so what we do, you know, we exist to try and uh, we have a holistic solution, which is. How this happened is in 1996, the policymakers basically removed the internet from constitutional authority, and because that's the source of all government, rule of law, law rights, uh, duty of care, everything. I mean, everything in the United States flows internationally and nationally for, through the Constitution. And so what we're saying is we are trying to encourage people to help us to restore constitutional authority over the U.S. internet in U.S. policy, because that is the thing that can uh, begin to cure all of the internet problems out there. Because right now we have a pre- approved anarchy on on autopilot, yeah. and so all of the problems you see online, it's U.S. policy to allow them. Sure. It's mindless madness. It is mindless madness. And what it seems like is that since it's a new industry, we don't know much about it. We don't know how to handle the technology since it is new or since it's a new quote unquote world. Like usual, the government just feels like it has to regulate it, but it doesn't quite know how to regulate it. So now it's got its iron grip on it. I mean, is that kind of the stage that we're at right now? Actually, no, it isn't because they still have hands off and they're they're trying through the tech lash. They are trying to pass laws. But the problem is, is they're doing a cart before the horse. Policy comes before law in the sense that the policy sets the um, essentially the purpose, the priorities, and the principles. And the law implements what's legal, what's not, and the process that goes about it. And so um, what we're saying is this problem is one where they just aren't minding the store. Remember, everybody in government is supposed to swear uh, to defend and support the U.S. Constitution uh, against all enemy foreign and domestic. I've had to make that oath. There's about 35, 40 million Americans who have made it. All law enforcement, all lawyers, all government people, all military, all veterans. They've sworn it. And what we're doing is we're just saying, do your job. Restore constitutional authority over the Internet so this mindless madness can end. Yeah. It's a great way to do it. I love that. We're talking with Scott Cleland, the founder, executive director of Restore Us Institute, which you can find online, restoreusinstitute.org. 
For the individual user who is concerned about privacy violations, who's concerned about tracking from Google or from every other, you know, Facebook and and their ads and the way that they censor you or the metadata collection, for those that are concerned about this madness and the violation, the blatant violation of human rights because of all these things, how do we prevent this stuff? How do we limit ourselves or is it just too far too gone and we have to accept that? We don't have to that's we don't have to accept it. That's what um, Restore Us Institute is all about, because it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And the reason it is this way is because both parties are clawing each other's eyes out and making so much money um, and raising so much money from uh, both sides online. Online advertising is how they make money, sure, and how they collect it, and it and they're addicted to it, and so they're so busy. Uh, scratching each other's eyes out, they're looking out for the um, the American people at all when it comes to this. So that's what we're all about: is we're trying to bring public accountability through public education, of letting people know we exist. If they don't like the way it is right now, it doesn't have to be. But we, the only way is when the American people basically stands up and says, "Enough is enough. This is this is nuts," and because both sides actually. Uh, uh, you know, left and right actually agree on these issues more than most any other issues. Yeah. So where they're nor- um, they just can't get over the politics to sit down and work on the policy and figure so out how to do it. This yeah. is one until the until the public basically says enough is enough and just uh, restoreusinstitute.org. They can sign the petition, which is a declaration of independence from unchecked technological tyranny. And when people think if they have freedom online, they don't. It's been taken from them, and they can learn how, how that's happened. And then we're trying to start a, a Mindful Many a movement of basically people who want to restore Internet accountability, or they can make a donation. So that's how they can make a difference. That's how I can do it. I love it. I am so glad you guys are doing this because it comes down to not just the way you guys are fighting, which is desperately needed, but the mindset to let people know what's going on. I seen this was probably a year or two ago that my generation there, they said in a poll that they were willing to give up their personal information and allow the government or a corporation or whoever to see all of their private emails for a free pizza, because while they're doing it anyways, I might as well get something out of it. It's totally cool. There's a young generation that's grown up with this stuff so much, they don't even know what's going on, nor do they even care about the personal privacy of this stuff. Scott, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yes, sir. Awesome. Perfect. I appreciate that. I want to continue this conversation, and I want to tie it into the elections yesterday and talk about and get your thoughts on the influence that social media and that the Internet does have on the mindset of voters going into an election season and how much that may have impacted the election results uh, last night as well uh, with the content, with the echo chambers that people get in based on their trending stories and what they follow on social media and on the Internet. We'll do some of that when we come back. It is a post-election Wednesday right here on The Voice Series, and lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You know, doing what we do, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time. Welcome into the program. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. We've got a lot more to cover, especially with all the election stuff, so we'll do the best that we can right now. We're hanging out with the man himself, Scott Cleland. He's the founder, executive director of Restore Us Institute. 
RestoreUsInstitute.org. Restore Humanity Online, trying to fight for your freedom. It, and it's such a wild concept today. You don't have to just accept the fact that the government's going to track everywhere you go with the GPS on your phone or what you search for on your phone or the metadata that they collect on your phone or the social media that tries to collect everything to advertise to you and do targeted ads. And then every time you open up an app on your phone, do you want to share your location? No, I don't want to share my location to take a photo. Thank you very much. It's weird. But that's the world we live in today. Can we get it changed? That's what we're talking about right now. Also, Scott, I got to get pick your brain on this. I mean, obviously, the election yesterday, a big election. The red wave didn't quite happen as many expected, but still a tight race in many, many races. How much do we rely on technology, on the Internet, and on factual information and real information from both sides online and on social media to make our judgment for who we're going to vote for and the regulations and control they have on the Internet right now? Is that impacting how people think about political issues? Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, what this is, is when you have unaccountability policy, where basically, you know, uh, the companies have impunity to do whatever they want. That's how they became trillion dollar companies. It's how they became, uh, you know, monopolies. In 2007, I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee and said they will become a monopoly when they bought DoubleClick. Uh, Three years later, I told the same to the House Judiciary about the other companies that it was clear they would become monopolies. So what this policy of Wild West is they allowed them to become just enormous. You can't even believe how big these companies are. Just to give you a sense, you know, the top big tech four, um, their revenues are larger than the U.S. government's domestic budget. Their free cash flow is more than that would allow them to fund the fourth largest military in the world every year. Wow. That's enormous. So that's the first part of the problem is they have so much power. The other thing is, is they've been delegated. They're the ones that decide what people see and don't see. And uh, um, they have their own biases. They have their own a- angles. They certainly um, have a, a profit motive, which is, is fine, but they don't let you know exactly you know, where that's going. And they also take away, you know, your freedoms. Uh, like I say, what do you mean? Free, you know, the Internet's so, you know, so open. Well, um, let me take your point about, you know, the, the voice of reason. This policy, I call it the regress of reason, because they're going back to a primitivist pre-government level. And that's when we had law of the jungle. That's when might was right. And that's kind of how they, they operate. And they're the might. They can do whatever they want. I call it, it's the opposite of a golden rule online because they have no accountability. I call it the rotten rule. Do whatever you want to others. And they do with impunity. So what are these these freedoms that you've lost and the millennials you're talking about? Well, there's three chief tyrannies of internet unaccountability policy. The first one is it inhumanely prioritizes protecting technology over protecting people. We protect the inanimate and not the animate. We second, it's unjustly grants technology impunity over people, meaning they can do whatever they want to you. And um, the third is it empowers technology to control and govern people without any rights, due process, or access to justice. So if you think you're free online, and you are not. You've also been dehumanized as an inanimate, you're a user, like an internet user is what you're called, 
and you're the product of which they sell to, and you're an avatar, but you're not a person. You're not a human. You're a commercial chattel of where your data is bought and sold online. And um, you are a second-class citizen because you've lost your rights with states and um, the states because you've been preempted uh, by the feds here on Internet policy. I can go on. People think they're, they're free online. They are not. They are not free, and it's very scary. Amen to that. Yeah, it used to be scary when people were concerned about Social Security cards when they first came out, saying that we were just a number to be a slave to the government. We're taking that in technology to an entirely new level here, and that's very scary to me. We're out of time, my friend. I could talk to you about this for hours because this is fascinating, and we need to fix this. So God bless you guys fighting this tooth and nail. It is Scott Cleland, founder, executive director of Restore Us Institute, restoreusinstitute.org. Scott, let's get you back on the program again real soon, my friend. Please, Andy, Godspeed. Hey, you as well, my friend. I appreciate that very much. There it is. We'll do some more election coverage tomorrow. we got lots more to get to, also some other great guests. Until then, be your own voice of reason, spread that humanity, and let's change things little by little in our own communities. Be that voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.